Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you all today on this Monday, September 14 of 2020. This is the beginning of the week, uh, and usually on Mondays we we set our minds to lay some groundwork <laughs> and really set the tone for the week. And we are excited yeah. this morning uh, for what God has for us and what we're going to be getting into today. But we just want to take the time to thank you, to thank all our listeners for joining us uh, faithfully. And just we know that you're being, you're being drawn by the Spirit of God uh, to study the Word uh, in a, with a prophetic lens, especially in this hour. We thank you for taking uh, time out of your day to join us. We feel that this is important that we come together. Aside from seeking the Lord on, uh, on our personal basis, it's also a blessing when we come together as a people of God. Today in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. And as always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So we want to give all the time that we can this week. We're excited. Um, of course, many interesting things happening uh, during the weekend, um, a, a, a lot of things, and, and, and really, um, things getting much worse and in, in many ways, in many aspects in our nation. But um, this is the time that we are in, that we're living, and this is where God has us, and we're going to do everything we can as long as we have breath and we have the ability to do it, to preach the gospel and to tell the people that Jesus Christ is coming again. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart. And before we do that, I do want to say just a special prayer, my brothers. Um, there's a few needs that have come to our attention, um, and we want to pray for uh, some of our brothers in the South um, that are going through uh, uh, some situations, uh, specifically with this coronavirus. And we want to pray for uh, brethren over there and families that are being um, have come under this uh, um, COVID-19 that the Lord would, would have his way, that the Lord would uh, heal them, right, and they would be able to come out in the name of Jesus. So would you help me pray before we get into the uh, this podcast? Let us pray. And if you have a need today, wherever you're at, we can believe God together. Our faith will come, come together and we can touch the hand, the hand of God. We believe in the power of prayer, and we believe that faith, still moves the hand of God. Amen? And if you believe that, no matter what your need is today, God will meet it. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have, Lord, to be able to come on this podcast, Lord, and declare your word. Father, we want to be mindful today of a few needs, Lord, that are, are happening that need an immediate, uh, uh, need our immediate prayers and intercession in this hour. We come together with the listeners today, Lord, and we pray for uh, our particular brothers, God, over there in, in the South that are going through uh, this COVID-19 and are dealing with this, um, with this COVID. We just pray yeah. uh, for their families. We pray for their well-being. We pray, God, that they will come out of this. Lord, uh, the people that are, that are going through this, the affected families, these are your children. Above all, let your will be done, even in their lives, God. And we know that we serve a mighty God, 
We, we know that we serve a God that answers prayers. And we stand in faith, not just for that need, but for every need that is here today with our listeners, every burden, everything that someone may be going through that needs an answer, that needs God to show up. Father, you are able, God. We just want you to be glorified, God. Lord, we just pray, Lord, above all, for the souls of men, God. Father, this is what's at stake, God. And Father, even through all these situations that are happening and are coming our way, they are there to remind us, Lord, to remind us, Lord, and to draw us closer to you, Lord, to draw us to you, Lord. Father, your people are being tested in this hour. Let us have discernment. Let us give, have an understanding of what you what is taking place in our lives. Everything has a purpose. Father, ultimately, Lord, you're proving your people. Draw us closer to you in this hour. We know that uh, this is a, a new season. And, and what the experts are saying, Lord, that this is a new wave of, of, of COVID-19 is, is just about to hit the nation again. So all we can ask is for you to cover us with the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, and help yes. us. Uh, to be wise also, Lord, in, in, in our decisions and what we do, what we don't do, Lord. That above all, Lord, uh, we're trusting in you, but also allow us to do our part in being uh, wise in all that we do, Lord. We thank you for your protection up to now, and we pray that we will hear the good news that you will bring a healing, God, and a restoration to these families that are going through this COVID-19 we ask you this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. We all say amen and amen. Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Well, my goodness, it's good to be back again after a, a long smoky weekend here on the side of the western part of the United States. California's yeah. on fire. Oregon's on fire. Washington's on fire. And uh, and literally uh, over here up at where I'm at, uh, uh, the smoke is so bad that uh, it, we get we get those air quality health warning things going on. It's bad, mm -hmm. but nothing like San Francisco, but bad enough that smoke's coming from over there. But the whole side of the country over here is on fire. Just uh, be praying yeah. for your brothers and sisters. You know, you're gonna yeah, say right. something. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are getting it down there too, right? I mean, where you're at. Yeah, we yeah, it was like a 24 hour barbecue, it felt like. <laughs> yeah. I well, hopefully in San Francisco, uh, they'll wake up and realize there's a worse fire coming if they don't get their act together, but that's for another day. But anyway, uh, we're going to begin today. We, uh, we're after our 9 11 broadcast on Friday, um, we're going to return to Psalm 74. Uh, but in a different way today, uh, we're going to continue as we go forth in Psalm 74 to look at the at the great things that are revealed there by the Lord. But in our studies, as we've been uh, studying this together, my brothers and I, we've come across some things here that are incredibly fascinating and things that we need to look at. And we've been talking about Asaph, and we want to focus a little bit more on him because really there's there's a great mystery that's uh that's that's to be had in our exploration of his life as well as king david some of the things you might hear this morning are a little controversial maybe to you 
but we challenge you once again to go ahead and, and, and follow up on the on what we tell you all the time and search the scriptures to see if those things be so. Don't just take our word for it. And, and and I think you'll be happy that you did. But with that in mind, we're going to explore uh, today uh, a couple of things. Uh, we'll call it the mystery of Asaph and King David or the mystery of the two tabernacles because both apply. Remember what uh, Brother Jeremy was saying last week, those of you who've been following us, he came across in Psalm 73, Asaph's lament over what appeared to be the prosperity of of the backslidden church and the wicked in, in the world. And he said that it, it really bothered him. And said, he said, until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, then I understood. It's an incredible thing that Asaph says there because he was the chief person that King David uh, left in charge, him and his brothers, uh, uh, for the taking care of the ark. And as the story goes, uh, if you know your Bible, you can you can read this in in in, in Chronicles, uh, beginning with chapter 14. It's the process that leads uh, to the Ark of the Covenant being brought into the city of Jerusalem by King David. And those of you who knows your Bible, you know that when David first attempted to bring the Ark, uh, that that uh, he went to Kirjath Jerem, where the Ark was, and he attempted to uh, to bring it. He sent 30,000 soldiers, the most handsome soldiers in all Israel, uh, along with uh, others to bring the ark up with great fanfare. When they approached the out of the house of uh, of Uzzah, and when they approached the, uh, the 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 threshing floors, the Bible says that that they had placed the ark on a cart, which was against the law of Moses because it was meant to be borne on the priests, the Levites' shoulders, which was a miracle itself, because if you study the ark, which represented the presence of God, it was made out of solid gold. There were three compartments to it, but but it was overlaid with gold. Each compartment was overlaid with gold, including the lid. So there was an outer shell uh, uh, and and two uh, a lid and then an inner shell made out of what the Bible calls acacia wood, which was incorruptible wood. Really, it represents the presence of, of, of the Lord God Almighty. And that he would come down, the the acacia wood representing the incorruptible flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, his perfection, and and then overlaying it with gold was, was the mystery hidden in the ark that, that God himself, gold representing deity, would come down in the flesh and it's there uh, where the blood would be applied once a year on the Day of Atonement, representing the sacrifice of the Son of the Living God. And then the presence of God would uh, manifest itself in the Holy of Holies. But someday we'll, we'll, we'll explore those subjects even deeper as the Lord leads us. But the point for our study today is that King David, after uh, ascending to the throne after the death of King Saul and Jonathan, his son, uh, in, in Gilboa, uh, slain at the hands of, of, of the Philistines, Saul committing suicide. They came and they made David the king. And the very first thing that David wanted to do was to bring up the Ark of the Covenant. Let's take a look at that, brother. Would you? In uh, Let's take a look here. I think it's uh, after they came to make him 
him him the king he wanted to uh he wanted to do the first thing he wanted to do was go get the ark i think it's in uh yeah verse chapter 13 first chronicles chapter 13 can you read to us there brother jeremy uh verse one through three okay and david consulted with the captains of of thousands and hundreds and with every leader and david said unto all the congregation of israel if it seem good unto you and that it be of the lord our god let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of israel and with them also to the priests and levites which are in their cities and suburbs that they may gather themselves unto us and let us bring again the ark of our god to us for we inquired not at it in the days of saul wow I mean, there's a lot we could say there, but that's really we wanted to just point out the fact that the first thing that David wanted to do uh, once he assumed the throne was to bring the presence of God, the ark of God, uh, into the into the city of King David, which was Jerusalem. And and so his intent was to bring the presence of God uh, to the people of God. And he said something there very interesting. He said that we didn't even, we never inquired at it in all the days of Saul. That's an incredible statement, right? Because really what he's saying there is that uh, the king found no value in seeking the presence of the Lord at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's incredible when you think about it. But yeah. David understood something about the presence of God, right? which is incredible. And remember, King David is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the house of David and the house of Saul really representing the, the division that took place between the Lord Jesus Christ himself and, and the house of, of Israel, which rejected him. But we laid that out to, to point out that, that David sought to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And once he did and tried to do it, uh, they did not do it according to the law. And so it cost a great price. Someone died by the name of Uzzah. Right. Right? He tried to uh, steady the ark with his own hand. But when we get into chapter 15 uh, and, and we read uh, 15 and 16, we have an account. And remember, we're talking about Asaph and King David today. We have an account of King David going to, after taking the time to go and study what he did wrong, to find out what it was that where he he messed up because when 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 the ark was was steady when they were bringing the ark it it cost him his uh, uh them their life and and let's take a look at that brother would you so people know what we're talking about when they came to the threshing floor they went and got the ark out read verse seven would you through um through ten of chapter thirteen brother Jeremy would you mind uh, verse seven. Uh, I'm sorry. What verse again? Uh, seven through thirteen. It's the it's the okay. account of King David bringing the ark into Jerusalem. Yeah. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Adinadab, and Usa and Ayo drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing and with harps and with psalteries, and with timbrels, 
and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perizuza to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried, but carried it us aside into the house of Obed-Edom, Obed, Obed the Gittite. Yes, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord hmm. blessed the house of, of Obed-Edom. Let's just look at that for a second here, because David then sets out to take the ark and to bring it uh, to, to David's uh, city. Uh, he, he had already gathered the elders, the Levites, and, and so forth and so on. One of the things that jumps out to me here in verse 7 is as they're carrying the ark, they place it on a new cart. All of these uh, are really good places to, to minister thoughts and messages, right? Because there's a prescribed way to handle the presence of God in the Old Covenant. There was an established way by which God uh, and his presence was to be carried. And it wasn't on a new cart. You know, one of the problems that we have today in the modern church in the United States of America and in the West, but particularly our country now, uh, and has been for many, many decades, is we have seen the same type of attitude and the same type of lack of, you know, awareness mm. of really, uh, and respect, if you will, for what it is that uh, that is necessary to have in place in order to have the presence of God amongst us. The intent by King David was right, but he it, it, it appears that he... And there's reasons why. Oh my goodness, we're, 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 I know where we're headed. So this is something that I just want you to to really keep your minds going here and, and jump in anytime because I know you can come in on this, brothers. Uh, you know uh, what we're beginning to see here when David ascended to the throne. The first thing he does in verse one is he consults right with the captains. Right. And, and with every leader, and then they send for the Levites in verse two, and, and, and whoever's left in the land of Israel, and and what they're trying to do is to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the representative piece of furniture that was actually constructed in 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 the wilderness after the Exodus. This is the most holy vessel and piece of furniture that has ever been constructed on the planet in the history of the world. <laughs> so, and it, you know, I mean, there's, it's the ark. I mean, whole movies and documentaries, even in our day, have been made about the ark, right? I mean, it's, it's this mythic, you know, uh, you know uh, awesome thing that we think about. 
when they carried it right. into battle, it's ha- it's had quite a history, right? And, and no one really knows where it is. I think it's in heaven because Apostle John sees it in the book of Revelation. He said, I saw the Ark of the Covenant, right? I think God took it. I think he removed it from the face of the earth. So all these guys digging underneath mountains and stuff, you ain't going to find it. It's quite, <laughs> God has it in heaven. But that's for another day. But what we see here is, is that David begins consulting other people in how to bring the present. The result of that consulting in verse 7 is a new cart, right? Verse 7, they carried the ark of God. We're in First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 7. They carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Brother, brother Jeremy, could do you have your little Hebrew? Uh, uh, I do. Thing, look up for us the word Uzzah. Yeah, I was just looking at it right now. <laughs> it means strength. Uh, uh-huh. That's and if you want to go deeper, but it means strength. Uh, strength in various applications: force, security, majesty, praise, boldness, loud, might, power, strength, strong. So, so pretty much uh, strength, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So strength. Now, what about Ohio? Ohio means brotherly or fraternal. Ah. Interesting. Brotherly or fraternal. Uh. And and then it has that prolonged form, right? It's uh. Same parents, half brother, kinship, all that. Uh, yes, and, and, relative, and fin- same tribe. Well, check this out. It means uh, at the at the top, right? It comes from the Hebrew word ach. It's a primitive word. It means a brother. It used in the widest sense of literal relationship. Listen to this and metaphorical affinity, or what, or the resemblance of a brother. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, resemblance, right? Yeah, right. He he resembles a brother. So you got these two dudes trying to take the presence of God on a whole new way, right? It's strength, which is Uza. It represents, you know, man's strength, right? We're gonna have this great display of our own strength, and 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 it's brought up by someone that looks like a brother. Ohio, right? Yeah. Right. Ah, uh, somebody say something. Because <laughs> that isn't that a picture of the modern church, right? Isn't it something you like better the believe church? it. <laughs> you better believe it. There's so many people today have the look of a preacher. They mm-hmm. dress. They have the look. They have the appearance, right? Well, yeah. what Paul said the appearance of godliness, you know, but denying the power. But Right. <laughs> no, that's good because we have the combination, though, right? We have strength, yeah. which which is what they're based. We call mega church, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. like Mega Man. <laughs> you know, big, bold, strong. That's Uza, right? And then we have Ohio. Uh, looks like a brother. He resembles a brother. You know, he's he carries the resemblance of the two have combined. The spirit of them have combined uh, to to place the presence of God on a brand new thing, right? That's what they did. 
They carried the ark or the presence of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. So that's where it was hanging out. And and what's interesting is uh, is his name in its literal sense means liberal <laughs> or or generosity or my father is noble, right? My father is noble. So mm. there's a whole pedigree of of a newfangled kind of minister that's emerged in our time that really can be paralleled with what's happening here with David and his intent. And and the reason I'm bringing this out is because of, of what we're going to see here in a second. I don't want to be too long here today. We'll just lay a, a few framework foundations and see some pretty neat things, I think. <clears throat> but David's first mistake is that he consulted with everybody. He consulted with everybody and 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 he in his I don't know what's the right word there there's there's a sense of of feeling maybe overwhelmed by it all. You know, he'd spent 13 years on the run, right? From King Saul. He just came out of 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 a of Ziklag, right? Was it? <laughs> Where Aaron, just before he became king, do you know that story, brother? Where he was in Ziklag? Yeah. yeah. Was that the, I think that's around the same time. Uh where where he ends up dying or is that a little later? But uh, I mean where all them they, they come and they burn down his city and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they suffered a great defeat. David comes out of it. Uh, they 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 get everything back and then Saul dies in battle, and when Saul dies they 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 remember King David and they determined to come get it, and to make him the king. And I think we see the account of Ziklag. Where is it? Uh, we can see it in chapter nine or something where in there. Well, we can find it another day. But the point of the matter is, is he had just come through a, a horrible defeat and then a great victory. Saul is gone. And now the nation turns to him and asks him to be the king. It's an overwhelming thing for him, you know. And I think that that many times that people that truly have the presence of God in their life, like King David did, you know, they they, they sometimes make this giant mistake like David did, and that is that he began to consult with everybody as it pertained to the presence of God. Nobody knew the presence of God better than David. Nobody, nobody in the whole world at the time. This is a young man that was anointed by the prophet Samuel. This is a young man who went down into the valley of Elah and destroyed Goliath. This is a young man who, who the women used to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, right? His tens of thousands, right? So he knew, he knew the heights of, of success in the things and the battles of the Lord precisely because he had been anointed uh, to be. Uh, this great man of God. So it's interesting if we just reflect on it, what made him acquiesce that, that understanding of the presence and defer to a community consultation on bringing the presence of God into his very own city? Are you with me? <laughs> there's, there's something, there's something uh, that happened. There's something, and I just want you to remember that because it'll show up later. It's going to show up later, and we're going to understand something really beautiful as it as it really gives way uh, to a perfect type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in these essences here, 
in these examples, we're just looking at David the man right now, but but basically he he steps aside and he lets others carry the presence of God when he himself knew the presence better than anybody. And what gave way to it was, was Uzzah and Ahio, right, out of this house of nobility. And that is the attitude that we see happening today. And they place the presence of God on this newfangled cart, which is completely outside what was the established prescribed order of taking care of the presence of God. It is why we're in the big mess today, and it's deadly. That's what happened. Because what ends up happening is, is look at, uh, they put it on a new cart, and isn't it interesting? They all start acting like they're part of Hillsong. Can you read verse 8, Brother Jeremy? <laughs> Uh, verse 8, and David and all Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. Man, they're making some noise, right? Isn't this interesting, brother? Because, you know, they are just worshiping God. They're singing. And it says with all their might. Right. And you would think on the surface, my God, this looks like a great revival, right? I mean, this is this has got to be God. But when we come to verse right. 9, there came the time when it was being examined, right? Look at verse 9. Would you read verse 9, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled right and 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 that's incredible we don't even got time to get into it today but the oxen they're 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 an allegory for israel itself and and the threshing floor it represents that place of examination why do you say that brother marty because that's uh that's where they came to where the ark was shaken on this new cart and what the threshing floor represents is where they used to separate the wheat from the chaff during the harvest and so even though they brought out this 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 new cart and they placed the presence of God in it and and and, and they're singing and dancing and, and shouting and doing all that stuff they're doing with trumpets and cymbals and timbrels and, and with all their might it was examined when we get to verse 9 at the threshing floor. See what's happening right now with this mega church system that's been brought to its knees is it's been carrying the ark, if you will, in a new cart for too long. And and they claim to be the carriers and the rightful heirs of, of carrying the presence of God. But I have a feeling, brothers, that we've come to the threshing floor January 1st, 2020. <laughs> we are in this country. And 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 no matter what they were doing, making all their noise and all their big churches and all their you know really hyped up and slicked praise and worship, like we see in verse eight, when it hit the examination time, it's all come down. Uzzah puts forth his hand to hold the ark because the oxen stumbled. It really represents that place of examination and the ability to to. Or, 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 or really, uh, the personality and thought that that we have something to do with uh, with assisting God, right? God needs me. 
And that's kind of what we see in Uzzah's strength tries to hold up the ark. But how does God respond to that in verse 10, Brother Jeremy? In verse 10? I'm sorry. Are you all there? I, no, no. I I was speaking, and I was on mute here. That's all right. We're running a professional just... operation around here, brother. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes the kids barge in the door, and I don't want to, you know, but. Yeah, wait, wait but till I, my dog start barking. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to comment something, Brother Marty, before I read yes. verse 10. You know, what the false church uh, is listening to, uh, when they hear all the singing, the harps, right, the psalteries, the timbrels, they call it the presence of God. They call it a mm-hmm. move of God. But what God, what is God listening to? What all he hears is noise, is a sound. That's all he hears, uh, it's just noise. Mm-hmm. And, and and when we get to verse 9, when uh, all of a sudden uh, the, 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 the ark is about to fall, right, uh, yeah. the ark been stumbled, it was a way of God saying to to speak in a, in in uh, in terms of 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 today is he's basically saying the party is over. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what he's saying because right mm-hmm. before they're jumping, hollering, doing this, the party is over. And, and yeah. I think that's the message today for America, the church. The party's about to be over if it's not already. You know, and yes. everything we call a move of God and this and that. Nah, God is listening to something else. He's saying something else. So I just wanted to comment on that, uh, those two verses. Um, verse 10. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Usa, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Amen. You know, that reminds me of First Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 29, where Paul said that no flesh, right, shall glory in his presence, right? Mm. I mean, that's what we see happening here. We see this arrogant thought, or actually just such a unfamiliarity with what the what the ark actually was. It was, the, it was the presence of God, or the representative presence of God on the face of the earth. It's where God met with his high priest. It's where the blood was applied. I mean, this, this we we could dig into it, but but what we see here is this is this anger of the Lord uh, demonstrated. And and what blows my mind, like you were saying, we've got a, we've got thirty thousand plus people dancing, singing, shouting. You got King David, you know, in, in the mix. You've got people that have that have actually had the ark in their family tradition if you do a study of it, for almost 57 years, <laughs> it's been in their house. Almost 57 years. It doesn't mean that it belonged there, but it was there. And when you seek to bring the presence of God up out of that place, they come out as if they are the ones who own his presence. And David I mean, he's a shepherd, right? He's not born uh, of, of the house of Saul. He's not in the royal line in the public square, although he is. But there's something here that we need to consider, and and that's what, what it says in verse 12 that happened after Uzzah died. 
and, and as we go on in the week, we're going we're gonna to refocus on this because what we want to talk about today is that he finally does bring it, but he learned how, right? He, learned, he went and learned how. But once he, he, he comes to learn how, he then uh, transitions and becomes the king, really, and a perfect type of the Lord Jesus Christ in what he's about to do. And, and and let's take a look at this. What happens to David in verse 12, Brother Jeremy? That David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Right. In verse 11, he gets angry at God, but also afraid. You know, it says that, that you know, his intention in his mind was to have this great spectacle. But God's not impressed with your spectacle. He's not impressed with the shine and the glitz and the glamour and all the stuff that we think he needs with. You know, he's not he's not impressed with that. He's in, he he's moved by our humility and our understanding that he, no flesh will glory in his presence. David would come to understand that. But there's a pr- particular way that God must be approached and a way in which his presence comes to his people. But verse 12 says that when this happened, David was afraid of God. And 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 he asked the question, "How can I bring the ark to me?" Now, for many many years, we have read those scriptures. Those of you who are familiar with this story, and we've heard many many people talk about that that what what caused David fear was what he witnessed, right? In that Uzzah was struck dead, and that's true. But this actually goes deeper than that. And and the fear of David was uh, of God. It, it actually has a lot to do with something else, and and it brought questions in his mind by what he said here. He said, "How shall I bring the ark?" He began to examine himself and bring the ark of God to me. He already had the presence of God, but. But there's something here that we need to look at, and in the either today, later today, or tomorrow, we will look at what it was that that bothered David most of all, and what was being revealed here. But he goes home, and he begins and sets about finding out how it is I can bring the the ark of God to me. He set about seeking how he might bring the presence of God, and so he does that. But before that, can we go over to verse uh, chapter 15, Brother Jeremy, and see what he did? Chapter 15, and verse 1 and 2. And David made him houses in the city of David, and prepared a place for the ark of God, and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Amen. So he went about to to figure out how to bring the ark of God. And he discovered that they had done it outside the way that God has demanded that he would be approached and how his presence was to be handled. And then he, he in verse 12 and 13, he speaks to the Levites. And what does he tell them, Brother Jeremy? Verse 12 and 13. And, and said unto them, 
Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. Wow. So he's learned a lot in 90 days, right? <laughs> I mean, he's he's become an expert in how to handle the Ark of the Covenant, and that's an incredible thing. But he, he admonishes the Levites and, and tells them that, that, that we didn't do it the way we were supposed to do it. And in verse 14, this is the key to the men of God, right? What does it say in verse 14? So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. What that implies is that the original procession contained a bunch of people that weren't separate or cleansed. Sanctification means to be set apart for a holy thing. And many people think that they can have the presence of God in their, out of order, that we can live any old way. The preachers can be any old way they want to be. You know, they can they can uh, go water skiing in, in the afternoon and then come, you know, uh, I heard one preacher say, I can go water skiing in the afternoon and show up with tanning oil on my face and preach a red hot sermon. I said, really, dude? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that was a lot. That was when I was young. I heard a preacher say that, you know, bragging away, you know, about, about his anointing, right? But here, David, you know, uh, go ahead, brother. <clears throat> So, so we're talking about something so holy of handling yes. what the ark of God represents, the presence of God. You know, in, in verse, in chapter 13, in one moment, you know, David is angry, but at the same time, we see a contrite heart. For the Bible says that he was afraid, you know, he was uh, fearful morally in, in he, of, of the holiness of God. It was more than just, right, um, um, it's, he understood uh the presence of God. And and what I wanted to say is that that's what's lacking today in, in the preachers. I mean, I hear preachers today have no reverence, no sense of the presence of God, and they'll say some of the most outrageous things. And then they'll say things like, you know, uh, and this is very, uh, uh, very fearful what I'm going to say, but they'll say things like, you know, uh, let the Lord strike me if, if I'm wrong, right? Or, or let my tongue cleave to the top of my mouth. Yeah. You know, it, right. it, like, and, and but just because it doesn't happen in that moment, doesn't mean that 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 God is in approval of them. You know, but their days are numbered, and that party yeah. is about to be over. Of of so many people saying things, and you know, again in God's name, and not understanding uh, the holiness, not understanding what the presence of God is. And that's what we can learn from David. It's that David, even though he made mistakes, he was contrite and, and he was willing to go back, as you said, in three months, in a season, he basically, you know, he he, he came to understand the these things like how to properly handle the presence, the ark of the covenant. Praise God. Amen. That's really good. And and also thinking about what he said, how can I, right, bring the ark to my house? Mm -hmm. There's another little clue there as to what we're going to find out about King David. Uh, It'll probably be tomorrow, but we might hint at it today. But but 
he he was not of a royal house, remember, not in his understanding at least. And 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 his conception, his mindset uh was such that he felt like if if these noble ones, these this house of Abinadab, <clears throat> the house of Uzzah strength and the house of a fraternal order of brotherhood, <laughs> right, Ohio, <clears throat> if these these long-standing uh, families of nobility and recognized as such uh, are, are struck down uh, because they didn't, you know, like Uza, um, it, it, it threw him for a loop. Because not everything that seems to be uh, godly is godly. And that's what, Brother Jeremy, you were just talking about, right? The scrutiny came uh, at the threshing floor where the wheat and the chaff were being separated that's what happened and that's what's happening to us right now we've been in the prophetic scriptures we've been talking about what's taking place in the culture right now it is getting very difficult for people uh, as we go closer and closer into the season we find ourselves in in the church to really begin to understand what is going on they still don't get it they still don't understand that we are literally if if we can see it we are being examined by the heat and we are being examined by by the lord and, and 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 it's quite possible we have come to the threshing floor where the wheat and the chaff are being separated and and yeah. and and what what we have seen is is an Uza demonstration and an and an ohio demonstration taking place from the families that have emerged, the powers that be in the United States today as it relates to the evangelical community, if you reflect on it and you really do a little research, you're going to find that those that claim to be carrying the presence uh, of God have been around for decades, and it's now their children that are in charge. How deep can we go, brothers? Mm. Whether it's a whether it's a it's a Crouch family from the largest uh, evangelical uh, Pentecostal charismatic uh, television network, you know that has infected the whole world by by promoting false prophets and false teachers or on the other side the denominational world the moral majority's son who who just was uh, exposed for his his shenanigans uh, at Liberty University or the transition that's taking place at multiple levels from the houses of presumed nobility that that supposedly carry the presence of God with them What's actually happening right now is all of them are being scrutinized at the threshing floor and found wanting. And what might seem to be a a tragic thing, my God, let us take up like King David. Yeah, maybe we ain't noble, <laughs> you know, and maybe we don't come from this long line of pedigree of, of, of famous preachers and their families, but that ain't working out so well. And what's being exposed has brought a, a severe judgment and penalty upon the visible body of Christ in this country at high levels and all the way down uh, to to the lower, uh, you know, communities of smaller churches and so forth. And so all of it's being examined. But I have a feeling that if there there's a there's a there's a group of people like King David who are willing to go aside and say, Lord, I want your presence. And whatever it takes, I'm going to do what I need to do to figure out what that is. And when I do, I know his presence will be 
uh, will will come to us. And and that's that's what David did. You know, it says that he went and prepared a place for God's presence, right? <laughs> uh, which implies that he hadn't prepared a place for God's presence before, right? Yes. Think of that. Do you have a place in your heart prepared for his presence? Or are you content to just hang out with those making loud noises with all their might? All of it's being examined, right? David understood that preparation is necessary for the presence. Were you going to say something, brother? No, no, just agreeing, brother. Amen. <laughs> all right. All right look, uh, we could go on and on about that. that. But that's good stuff, man. We really need to think about this. We have to ask ourselves at this time in this season that we're living through, why are the churches shut? Why is there yes. such uh what happened? <laughs> oh, because right. the devil, it's the devil. Really? Is it? <laughs> is it really? No. Could it possibly be us? Mm. Oh gosh, in our pride, in our strength, right? In our in our in our uh in our packaged representation of the fraternal brotherhood of charismatics, we've been found wanting, man. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, God help us all. Uh, he told the priest, right, you need to sanctify yourself. There's an order to how God's presence has to come. Praise God. David was a good preacher, man. You know? <laughs> sanctify yourself. And, and and we prepared a place for him now. That means that when they came with all that fanfare, with all those loud noises and all that loud Bethel Hillsong kind of crazy worship that we see nowadays in the churches, so loud. I read an article the other day that, that this couple was lamenting the fact that they can't even enjoy going to church anymore. There's an elderly couple. Not that they were, you know... You know, sticks in the mud or anything. Godly people, right? They said, you know, we've we've tried to endure our pastor had transitioned the church into this, you know, more, you know, contemporary cultural, quote unquote, relevant sort of services. And they said, you know, we couldn't stand sitting there anymore because the music is so loud and and the fuzz box on the electric guitar is blaring our ears that we finally, you know, we we just we had to leave. We can't we can't go and worship God. I mean, that broke my heart when I read that. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> There's even pastors that are intentionally, and I read an article some time ago, a couple months ago, of a pastor telling the congr the older congregation part of his church uh, outright that he's transitioning to to a younger crowd. In other huh. words, they're not they're no longer wanted there. You know what I'm saying, or wow. needed there. Wow. And. Uh, that, that that's where we're at, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so they're, they're they're no longer hiding it. They 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 don't want you. They don't want that older crowd. Anything, you know. They they're looking for a newer generation, a younger generation is what I mean. A younger generation. So yes, brother, what you're saying is is correct. And that's Lord help really us. Sad, Lord help us all. See, I think what we're coming out of and what we're going to be experiencing in these coming days is is, is just that. We're going to have to learn, like David did, how the presence of God actually comes and dwells amongst his people. Because when he finally did bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, it was done in great humility and with great reverence. And the road was paved with blood, brothers. Every six paces, they offered a sacrifice to God. 
six is the number of man, right? So he was basically saying, we want no flesh involved here. Every six paces, they would offer a sacrifice to God all the way to Jerusalem. It is paved in the precious blood of the Lamb. That's what a, a type and shadow is. Jesus is the exact opposite of this mega church movement and all this stuff you see uh, presented to us in Christian media today. It's devoid of Jesus. They celebrate their own successes. They applaud their own efforts. They, uh, you know, they 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 purport uh, to have the presence of God in 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 everything that has nothing to do with Jesus. They they don't even mention the Lord. They mention what they do, where they've been, and it's all hype. That's what this was. Yeah. At the most crucial moment, right? Go ahead, brother. What were you gonna say? I was just going to say, uh, um, there was a man, of, uh, I heard a preacher say many years ago that many times we, you know, preachers and, and speaking specifically about musicians, we're in awe of how they pray, how they preach, how they perform, that they have even become experts in moving the spirits of man, right? But we yes. never take the time to check their hands. He was speaking about spiritually, you know, to, to see what their hands have been if they're clean before God, which wow. is just because someone can move somebody or preach with the sermon and, and is charismatic. And, and that's what the presence of God is. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's not, that's not the presence of God, the, the charisma of somebody or the, or how a person plays that, you know, and again, he said that he said, well, you know, we become experts on moving the spirits of man, but we never take a time, a moment, to check their hands, where they've been, are they clean? Are their hearts clean before God? Wow, brother. Right? That, that's, you're, that's right. That's incredible what you're saying there. And that's the problem where we're at right now. You know, all of us uh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is a standard that's required in the Word of God for those who handle His work. The list is given in the New Testament. Of, of what a bishop should be, what a deacon should be, what an elder should be. And 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 those standards haven't gone away just because we think we've become so noble and so strong now and and and, and not in need of of uh, that old-fashioned way. Well, that that new cart way, uh it's been examined here in the year 2020. And the mm-hmm. shutting of the houses of worship is is, is all uh, you know the uh, the signposts that we need. Hopefully, uh, there are those out there, and I know there are that that are starting to take note and ask the question. Okay, there has to be something deeper going on here, and it has to pertain when it when it pertains to the church. It has to pertain uh, to to us. We have to look at ourselves and examine ourselves. We have had uh, some of the well, brother Marty. It's, Go ahead, brother. It's amazing because David is is a, is the standard, right, of true true worship, um, yeah. an intercession, I think, in in scripture. Because I mean, this 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 man pierced the veil and and interceded things that our Lord would intercede, saw things that the Lord saw, you know, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And and he was the standard of kings as well. The Bible re- repeatedly says. You know, and this king did uh, did not do as his father David, and so forth, and so on, right? Or he did do it like uh, uh, according to his father David, and what he did, and so forth, and so on. And and you wonder if if we're really studying the scriptures, 
and trying to find these things out and that and, and are the modern day preachers saying you know what did david do you know how, you know uh, how was his life because he's the standard the type of christ mm-hmm. but but today the standard of the of the young modern day preachers is benny hinn it's <laughs> yeah craft old dollar yeah you know, these men that, that have completely uh um uh, tempered with the things of God. I mean, it's, I'm amazed that the Lord hasn't struck them dead, man. The things these Mm -hmm. men are saying and doing, that's just to name a few, but, but that's their standard. Right. Um, And I think we're going into ASAP as we go along and, and, and uh, the way ASAP speaks, it looks like he took after uh, the way David sought the Lord. Um, and, and, and that's why he was appointed as a worship leader. Um, but but these are things that, that if you're listening and you're a preacher, you have to ask yourselves, like, who's the standard? Who who are you following? Mm-hmm. Who's taught you how to worship God? What kind of worship music are you listening to? What's, be, what's taking place behind the scenes of the worship leaders that you listen to? What are they doing? What kind of consecrated yeah. life are they living? What kind of consecrated yeah. life, like Pastor Jeremy was saying, you know, uh, is the preacher you're listening to, you know, uh, living? I mean, this is this is this is holy stuff we're talking about here. Yes, yes, yes. We're, we're handling the word of truth, right? So I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, the the standard today too in in music, and I'm glad you mentioned that too, brother Fernando. Is the hill songs? Is the Bethels? You know, pretty much every church is what they mimic is those songs you know, and, and that yeah. worship. And, and I think it's, you, you brought up an important point too, that, you know, we, do we take time to study their lives? I think we take time and study what they said and, and their battles, right. And this, but do we take time to study their consecrated lives before God? Because if there's anything mm-hmm. that we need to imitate is that, that as you mm-hmm. said, that's the standard. That's the standard preacher. That's the standard musician, worshiper. That's the, I mean, think about it. ASAP is not just known, you know, we always know him as a songwriter, as a song, a psalmist, right? But the Bible, as we, as you know, when we go get there, calls him a seer, a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> things that God was able to show them. So, you know, you're right. We need to study carefully and imitate their lives and imitate, you know, their consecration uh, before the Lord, because this, as you, as we as we are saying today, it's a holy thing. It's a holy thing, and I'm amazed too. I can care why many have not been struck before God when you mm-hmm. see everything that's happening. But again, let me echo it: the party's over. We, 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 Brother Marty, what you're saying, we find ourselves at the threshing floor, and we are being found wanting, wanting. lacking. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah, and then David's reaction, you know, uh, like you guys were talking about, you brothers were talking about, you know, the fear that I'm afraid, sheer terror. Um, we better have that attitude. <laughs> you know, we better have the attitude of this is a holy God we're talking about. And I know people get hung up on, you know, that whole trip because they've done such damage to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they've made God your your big bell hop in the sky. I mean, you can hear 
where people are by the way they pray, if they pray. But when you hear them pray, you know that they quickly approach God. There's no reverence. They throw up a few requests. They say amen, and then they're on their way. They're like, God, do this. God, do that. God, do this. Oh, yeah, and do this and do that in Jesus' name. And they're on their way. They haven't spent uh, uh, any time with God. When you, I can tell you what a person's about when you hear them pray in two minutes, man. In a minute, I can tell you that they don't pray. Uh, God becomes this big, uh, you know, uh, this lottery in the sky. Like you were talking about Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, all these guys, uh, Kenneth Copeland, all the sacred cows of the church today. You know, and just throw in all the unknown mega pastors with thousands or 1,500 or 2,000 in their churches. Same thing. They turn the churches into these dark caves, right? They illuminate the stage. They have spotlights and smoke mm-hmm. machines and big video screens. Can you imagine, I mean, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does it at night for effect, right? You know, and, and uh, <laughs> I mean, he illuminates the mountain, you know. I mean, come on, man. All he needed was the presence of God and the word of God. That was enough. <laughs> My Lord, man. But anyway... You know, we can we can we can examine these things because, like you said, these are holy things we're talking about. The presence of God is coming to His children. He's coming to His children, yeah. and He wants to dwell with us in a way that we're going to need Him. Uh, unlike any 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 time we've ever needed Him before, we need Him now more than ever. The issue is, as we go forward, have you allowed the Spirit of God? Have I allowed the Spirit of God to cultivate? a place for his presence so that he can lead me and guide me in these most difficult times. Uh, yesterday I was ministering uh, online. You know, we have this little gathering online every Sunday. And, and I was ministering as the Lord led me uh, concerning uh, they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And and he began to really minister to us out of his word concerning being led of the Spirit especially in light of the times that we're living in right now. And and this is what we need. We need to be led by his spirit. You're going to need information to take care of your families in these hours. Let me tell you something. What we've seen to this point, as bad as it's been, it is nothing compared to what the Bible says is just ahead of us. The Bible, not us, but the scriptures say. So whether it's a few months or a couple of years or several years, it don't matter. It's already begun. Where we are along that line, I don't know, but you'd have to be blind not to see what's happening around us. And what, what is actually taking place around us is a, is a contest between light and darkness. And everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Isn't that what the scripture said would happen in that future time? Well, I believe we're that future time. So let's look at this again as we, as we get, you know, we'll just, I'll just drop a little nugget on you. And when we close here, but let's 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 continue in this flow for for a couple of minutes, and then we'll close for today. We're just trying to lay this this process here because what we what we started out talking about, and what we're headed. It, one, we have to ask the question, which is very interesting uh, that we're going to ask. We're going to see something here. David pitches a tent for the presence of God, a place that he prepared personally for himself. It's called the Tabernacle of David. And 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 he did something <laughs> that is just absolutely insane if you think about it. I mean, I'm using modern terms here as far as my language goes, but we know from the scripture that the tabernacle of Moses 
was still in existence. And that David goes to get the ark that belongs in the Holy of Holies in the Tabernacle of Moses. And when he goes to get it, he doesn't make a left and head to where the Tabernacle of Moses was. He takes the ark and brings it to his own tent that he made. There's reasons why he did that. And so what that means is that when the ark and the presence of God came to Jerusalem, it was in a tent that David himself made, not Moses. So first of all, he's saying, my tent is, has been properly sanctified, and it deserves to have the presence of God dwelling in my tent. <laughs> uh, mm. I'm holding back because if we open this up today, we'll be here for four hours. So I can't do this. But we're just going to lay some little nuggets out there for you to think about because that's where we're headed. He has the audacity the spiritual audacity in the eyes of the people who couldn't understand what was actually happening. I'm going to submit something to you, brothers. In those 90 days, David goes from being a person uh, that that is shy and is trying to exhibit humility in his leadership by consulting everybody, right? We read that in chapter 13, 1 Chronicles 13. He starts out by consulting everybody about this presence of God. His intent was right. I need the presence in my kingdom. But how he went about it to begin with reveals uh, what he would later go on to learn would become something that could be a snare to him and his leadership. If you have the anointing, don't go blabbing your mouth around with everybody else, asking them their opinion. Because if you do, bad things happen, and that's what happened. No matter how noble our intent, no matter <laughs> – because if you do, if God has spoken to you, right, and, 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 and like David, he, he knew he needed the presence of God. He assessed correctly our nations in this terrible trouble because during the time of King Saul, he never went to look for the presence of God. In all the time that Saul was king, he said, we never sought God at the ark, right? So he has a noble and a, and a correct understanding of what prospers a nation. But how he went about it, he stepped aside in his, in his leadership role and tried to make it a, a presence of God by committee. And brother, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. But when he goes away for those 90 days, what he saw, brothers and sisters, in that 90 days is not only what needed to be done and how it needed to be done. We just read how he told the Levites we didn't do it the right way to begin with, but we're going to do it right now, he said. But what he saw was was so deep and so incredible, including himself, it's as if he took upon himself the mantle of the one that would be called the son of David in the Gospel of Matthew. He became the type of Christ. And it's an incredible thing to witness as we go in this. And it's important for us to understand because you're going to see yourself in this. And you're going to see 
as we get into this, just how close we really are and why what we're seeing take place in our country and across the West and the world right now, why they are triggering signposts and signs to the discerning, those that are in the word, those that are seeking God all over the world. They're beginning to take note of this at a deeper level and understand that it is quite possible that we are entering in those days which the prophets told us would come and that we are not that far away from all that they said would happen, which will culminate with the great second coming of the Lord. Now take a look at this. Can you read verse 15 and uh, 14 and 15 to us again, Brother Jeremy, in First Chronicles chapter 15? Please. Yes. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel, and the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. So what we see is, is, a, is a completely opposite approach. What we see is a nation at the beginning of the story of trying to bring the presence of God that was brought under scrutiny. Remember, there's a lot of them... <laughs> Sorry for my language, but there's a lot of them dudes, man, that David brought and let carry the presence that were still part of Saul's house. Abinadab, uh, Uzzah, Ahio, you go into their generations, you'll see they're all connected to Saul. That's one of the reasons that David's wife got all mad at him in, in chapter 29 when the ark finally comes. Look at verse 29. Can you read verse 29 of 15, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Powerful, brother. And it came to pass. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out at a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, she rem <laughs> she represents, if you want to look at this in a prophetic sense, that end-time church that's been born out of this old move. That, that, that came to this place of great prominence and great stature and great nobility. They, they, they look like Ohio, right? They look like brothers. They look like Uzi, right? They're full of strength. They're loud in their worship and praise with all their might. None of it, none of it was what God had ever been doing in all those decades leading up to this moment. And when it came time to be examined, and it was examined, it it was struck down. And one of the reasons that M Michael was mad at David was because she didn't recognize anybody in that procession. They weren't part of her, her whole lineage, right? She despised him in yeah. her heart. My God. <laughs> yes. Wow. Which is powerful, brother, because prior to David, you know, uh, Israel that day was a Presbyterian church, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. They didn't have no music. <laughs> You know, and uh, which is so powerful because he literally pierced in to the realm of the spirit wow. and brought out music. Glory to God. Incredible. Yeah. Brought out worship so, of the likes true worship. that no one, yeah, true worship of the likes yeah. of heavenly worship of the likes. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe he got a, a vision of angels singing unto the Lord. Like, wow, what are they saying? Because they're, they're singing. <laughs> and, yeah, the and he's like, wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and he introduces that to us. And this yeah. is before 
you know, before the new covenant. Yes. Right? Which is incredible. So the heart of David and whatever happened to him in those 90 days, I mean, he, he, he came out of that seeing something tremendous, the true order of, of worship, right? And, and this is what was on display. And it's what's going to separate, you know, uh, the pretenders and, and those who have truly been with God, right? A display of God's presence in the lives of his children in these last days. He spoke about Saul's daughter representing a false church. Right? Yes. And, and she's seen David, you know, in, under the anointing, you know, worshiping the Lord. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's taking place and what's going to take place. Incredible, brother. That's mm-hmm. just incredible. And you're right. As we dig through the layers of it, the prophetic layers, because King David is, is, is living out uh, events and historical events that have prophetic implications all the way to the time of the Messiah. Jesus Christ himself and the very things that David would be accused of and what he reveals by the spirit in the scriptures, as we'll see going forward this week, they, they are the very same things that Jesus would, would encounter in the opposition of the Jewish, his brothers in Jerusalem when they rejected him from being King over them. They despised him. That is our Lord in their heart, just like Michael despised David in her heart, she saw no one in this contingent, no one, and what's inter- that that she was familiar with, right? I mean, they were they were hand selected by God. These are the Levites in verse fourteen that were that 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 Brother Jeremy read that he, David had had a conversation with, and then it says something so profound in verse fourteen: they sanctified themselves specifically to bring up the presence of of God to Israel, to to Jerusalem. And and that is what's happening right now. We are sanctifying ourselves to meet the king, right? We're we're headed to the heavenly city. And what they did in in verse fifteen is is powerful. How they brought it up. Gone are is the strength of man, right? Because that's what happened when Uzzah came to the threshing floor, right? Which we just read about in, in chapter thirteen, and and he tried to put his strength upon the presence. It was such a reflective picture of where the nation had come. And that strength that was defiling the presence of God had to be dealt with before the true presence of God and the true church could could be in type realized. Because these Levites are a type of the church. Right. They they're clothed in white, and white is the and white linen is the righteousness of the saints as the presence comes into Jerusalem. This is deep, I'm telling you, and I'll just throw leave that there just for your consideration to think about because we'll explore those things as we go forward. But now listen, so how do they bring it up in verse 15? What do they do, brother Jeremy? Verse 15. Yes, it says that the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded, according to the word of the Lord. The presence was brought up by way of Calvary. That's what this is a type of. Those staves are wooden poles that were that were overlaid with gold. They represent the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. And and they put it upon their cross because they were they were they were portraying a picture of how the presence was going to come to to the earth they were fulfilling the picture of the lord jesus christ 
he would bear the cross. He would bear the cross on his shoulders, but it would bring the presence according to the word of God. It was so deep what he learned. And whether he was, like Brother Fernando said, whether he understood it all or not, I, I think he did. You know, I think that's why yeah. God said, you know, David's a man after my own heart, right? I mean, there's something there about King David that was revealed to him and his ability to pursue God. I mean, while he's, David is included ahead of Abraham in, in, in the Gospel of St. Matthew. It's astounding right. if you think about it, right? Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. David even supersedes Abraham. And and Abraham, it was said, Jesus said of him that, that Abraham saw his day and was glad and rejoiced, right? He said that about Abraham. But I mean, David I, I, takes... I keep, I, I keep ahead, thinking about it. It's it so fascinating that here is David in the Old Testament teaching the church thousands yeah. of years <laughs> down the line, you know, how to approach God. Praise God. I mean, come on. If he was able to, you know, uh, uh, tap into the heart of God in, in, in this manner, and now we have a, a, a better covenant, right? Yes. Uh, how how much more us today? But he's teaching yeah. us what in his life and, and everything that he did um, through, through David's tabernacle, how the church, uh, uh, you know, the church would be in the last days. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's exactly I, what we're saying. Go ahead. I, I see something, too, and maybe it's a question I should ask because I'm not, maybe you guys could help me out. Because I'm reading verse 13, and when he's speaking to the Levites, right, and, and the priests, yes. but, but to the Levites, he says, for because you did it not at the first. In other words, because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time, it is that the Lord broke out in anger against us, Right. It's yes. kind of like a slight rebuke that he's giving the Levites. It's not just David's fault, but also the yes. Levites. Is it, I think is, so. Like a... I think that's a good thing to point out. I think so. I've thought about that too, brother, and and I think that uh, I think it's I think it's there. I mean, we could say there's a hint of that there. You know that that he was. It, it, he's almost like saying you're you're supposed to know this, right? And I don't right. know this. <laughs> but he but he took responsibility when he says that we didn't seek him right uh, for yeah. for that we sought him not so he doesn't like yeah. like try to place blame on them he just simply says we all blew it basically right including you levites well but yet you he, know and I, but, but you know that that's a good point that you bring out brother marty yeah he's he's not just accusing he's just it's just a, a rebuke of because they were out of order in the sense yeah. that that they should have known, right? He didn't do it at first. So what were they doing while this all this happened? What were they? You know, what was, uh, what 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 happened? And, and I think that speaks to the preachers today, you mm -hmm. know, and, and to people that the responsibility that we have to do things properly in the order of God. And, yeah. and I think uh, we have lost that understanding. And then we question, well, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, this and that, I'm trying. It's because you're out of order. And so, out of order. I, I don't know, I, I, that just came to my, you know, as, as I was reading, it it just hit me. Like, yeah, and, you know, it and is also, also a slight well, rebuke there. Yeah, and let's throw in this thought, too, is that is that uh, you asked what happened. It, you know, uh, David started the tone by saying, we haven't sought for God's presence in a generation. 
you know mm. so you have right you have you have a priesthood that's retiring and a priesthood that comes into being during that 40 plus year period that Saul was the king you know and and, and you're talking about a nation devoid of truly understanding what the presence of God is. And what's really interesting is we, if we really dig into this as, as we're just, you know, speculating now is that the ark itself was abiding in this particular location, some 40 plus years from the time it went to Nob till the time that it, it, it returned uh, and, and became, and came to rest in Kirjath Jerem in the house of Abinadab. There's 40 something years there. Where, where it's it becomes the exclusive property of the royal houses of the houses of nobility, it becomes this 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 uh, this. Remember what Jesus told the, the the lawyers? He said, "You know, you you make laws uh, that <laughs> and add burdens onto people. You seal up the kingdom of heaven." He said, "You don't go in yourselves, but you also hinder others from entering in." I mean, this is what actually happened when they took uh, possession of the ark. You know, is that they were they 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 cared for it as if it was their exclusive possession, and when it was finally brought out, they brought it out. Had think of the danger that David was in. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, but he's got this old school with him, right? He's got Uzzah, Ahio, thirty thousand plus people. Some of them loyal to Saul. You know, they're they're all coming to, to Jerusalem. The danger to his leadership and kingdom was pre was 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 forefront. But David being the quality of human being, always looking for the bright side. Heck, when Absalom died, right, he wept over his own enemy. I mean, that's the kind of heart he had. And so he's bringing it up here, and 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 these guys are parading it as if they are the caretakers of the presence of God. That's what's happened in the last generation in this country and across the West when it comes to Christianity. It's morphed into this thing where these mega ministries and these powerful ruling religious elite in the denominational world and in the Pentecostal charismatic world, which drives the media and narrative of what is supposedly the gospel now around the world. And, and and there came a time of, of crisis in the nation. And when David goes to bring the presence, and, and they try to attach themselves to this new ruling king, they want to carry it forward as if they are the ones that know how to do it. They are the ones to whom it belongs. That is the crisis we're having in leadership at this country right now. There are a host of Davids out there, faithful men and women of God, Faithful congregations, uh, you know, that love the Lord with all their heart, um, that that they haven't been invited to this uh, this nationalistic, you know, party that claims to have have the exclusive rights to the presence of God, but it's all being examined, and that's why it's been shut down, and that's why the plague has come, and that's why the economy teeters, and that's why the nation's streets are burning, its forests are on fire, it's. It's hurricanes are ravaging. The entire nation is come under scrutiny precisely because we've done spite to the presence of God. It's so powerful from every angle that you look at it that we can glean so much as as we as we pursue these thoughts and the bringing of the presence of God. Because remember, we're examining Asaph and David and the mystery of their connection. But there's a connection there that's so profound. But let's finish this thought here. So when they find, that's a great thought, Brother Jeremy. And so when they finally get there, and I think it's both, 
that he was saying, look, we didn't, I mean, you made a breach, right? You didn't, you created an opening for death because you didn't assume that position. Obviously, they were not maintaining a sanctified life, right? Because in verse 14, it says, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves. Mm-hmm. which implies that they hadn't sanctified themselves <laughs> or been living in that way, right? <laughs> so, yeah. But but David also – go ahead, brother. No, brother Marty, I just wanted to say it, it, it's, it's so powerful because it fits right in. You know, David in 90 days, which, which 90 days, you know, it's, a, it's three months, right? Let's say it's three months. It, yeah. it represents a season. There's four seasons in, in mm, the year. Good. Mm-hmm. And and it represents a season where he mm-hmm. took the time to investigate, to analyze, to to <laughs> to to check every single nuts and bolts, right? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and see why and answer. And I believe that we are in this time in this hour. Yeah. Am I correct, brother? Uh, we're, we're, we're in this time where where God has a shut us shut, has shut us up. Our churches yeah. are closed. We're shut down mm-hmm. in our in our. In, this is a season where God, we, we need to be examining and making sure that we know and, and know how to handle the present, the ark of God. And, and so I, I, there's a connection there, you know, and I don't think You're it's right. a coincidence that this is being brought forth because that's what God is telling the preacher today, if you're listening to me. He's telling us. He's telling you. All of us, yeah. Analyze. We. All like David said, right? We. He said, we. <laughs> we didn't do this yeah. right. And he's right. You know, I can examine my life over the last 20 years. I mean, I haven't always been this perfect holy man that I am today. But I'm teasing. <laughs> the truth is, we've all been through the fire, right? And it's why we can look at these things now. It's interesting because it's a moment of national crisis, right? It's a nation that has long ago put the presence of God into the hands of those who have uh, who have shut it away uh, from being seen and being experienced. And and they became those like Uzzah, Ahio, Abinadab's house, right? The, the the nobility in the land, but and they seek to attach themselves to anything that would seek to bring the presence. But God has stopped this. Now, if we take it in a prophetic sense and we look at David representing the Lord Jesus Christ and Him coming to Jerusalem, right? The presence of God coming to Jerusalem. Of course, there's a scrutiny taking place. It separated the wheat from the chaff once they hit the the threshing floor. And another beautiful thing, right. if you want to look at it from a different aspect, is is verse 12, right? Because David first brings the most handsome men uh, to go get the ark, all the best musicians, the loudest music you could possibly imagine, uh, 30,000 soldiers, and then this house of nobility taking all of that. And it's like, where's the Levites? Nobody to be found, right? There's no Levites or priests to be found. So wow. it kind of like dim- it diminished the, uh, the, the, the ministry, it diminished it. There's yeah. a lot of pastors out out there, a lot of wow. churches out there. Wow. You know, you know what I'm saying, brother. <laughs> that's what brother, David teaches us here. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> that's exactly what's going on, and I'm sorry to keep it, but you know, this is so good, man. But this is exactly mm-hmm. what's going on today in the modern day church. It's filled with a lot of experts, noblemen, uh, musicians, right. talent. What's missing? Think about it. What's missing today? Levi. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah priests, Levites of God. Yeah. And and so the church, the modern church is being led by people that are not even Levites. You're right, brother. <laughs> the, That's good. By experts, by coaches, by psychologists, by theologians, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Right. But yeah. where are the Levites? 
Where Amen. are they? The ones who know the presence. The, the, See, it only know, took, where, where are you at? Amen. It only took a generation. Yes. 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 I mean, it it only took a generation, right? It took a generation to diminish the the Levites. It took a generation to diminish the true ministers of God and ministries of God. America's strength was built on the backs of its little churches, man, 50 people, maybe 75 people, right? It was a community. And there were faithful pastors who lived humbly with their wife and their children, usually attached to the church, right? The parsonage, right? We took those laws that were given by the grace of God through this land who moved upon others to, to make a way for the, for the humble Levite, the humble preacher, if you will. And they turned those parsonage laws and those 5013C laws, you know, which was, a, which was a humble church planted in the community, collectively working together to feed the hungry, to take care of the poor, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick, you know, to visit the prisoner in his affliction, all of that, which was supposed to be the work of the ministry. And we, we, we ripped it from that humble place and brought it into this mega thing, which you're talking about, Brother Jeremy. And the beauty of what David is saying here and what the Lord is saying through his example is, look, When it's all said and done, his presence is here and it's coming, but it's going to be taken from those. That's what's happened. It's hit the threshing floor. And the strength of that whole thing, it's been struck down, if you can see it. And what does David do? He goes to the humble, to those who long ago forgot. And and pretty much gave up, right? It's kind of like, you know, the church became Amazon. You know, I mean, the mega churches, they're like the Amazon (laughs) of retail, right? And they put the little churches out of business, man, right? I can just go down, you know, to where there's 20,000 people. I don't need to be accountable to anybody. I can just park, you know, and I'll take the shuttle to the big building and I'll sit way at the top row and nobody even has to know I'm here. And I get to hear this, you know, this loud music and and I get to, you know, experience this 15-minute sermon that has absolutely nothing to do with the gospel. I go home and do the same thing. And this happened for years. And then what happened was the humble pastor, the one that you call, I remember, brother, being part of a big ministry. And, and inst- you know, when people would come to the big ministry and they would knock on the door and say, you know, my wife and kids were homeless. We lost our job. It's going through hard times. Can you help us out? Can you give us a little food or, you know, help us with a job or something? You know what they used to do, brother? They'd send that poor couple down the street to the humble little pastor. Oh, they'll help you over there. The big church would send them to the little church because the big church was too big to help the poor, really? But look at what David does here, because this is what God's doing right now. If you can hear it, he rest- he begins to restore, because you know who's needed now more in the United States of America? It's not your Joel Osteen's, T.D. Jakes, and, 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 and the Crouches, and the TBNs, and the God Channels, and I can go down the list, buddy, of all these big-time preachers. You mentioned them, the Dollars, the Copelands, the, the Paula White, the, you know, the, the Liberty Universities, the 700 clubs even. None of those people are, are going to make a difference. It's, it's, it's those that long ago were discouraged to the point yeah. that, that they need to re-sanctify, right? But look what he says to them. He, he, he begins to say, look, God has revealed to me that you are the ones at this moment <laughs> that he's calling. Look what he does in verse 12. Could you read verse 12, brother? It says, and said unto them, ye are the chief 
of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. I got it. He says, look, I've come to realize you're the chief of the fathers, right? <laughs> you guys have been pushed to the side, you faithful little pastors out there. You know, all you know is you get on your knees, you cry out to God, you study the word, and you preach thus saith the Lord. You do the work of the ministry. You visit the sick. You take care of your family. You've been humble, but you've been relegated to the side because you're not part of this big noble house that, that we thought we needed. But God has passed judgment on it. And now I've come by, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, to tell you, you're more than you think you are. You're vital right now to bringing the presence of God back to the people. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so verse 14, they responded, right? And I know there's people out there in your own personal, private lives, because we're all what Peter said we are. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We yes. are, we've been made kings and priests unto our Lord through Christ Jesus. God is calling on us. And, and he says, so sanctify yourself, because his presence is coming. And how is that presence brought? With the staves, right? The type of the ark. Uh, I mean, the type of the cross, right? And and then and then what happens when you think, man, when we run out, John said this, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Look what the Levites did. Read verse 25 and 26, brother. Would you? Yes. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains, captains over the thousands, went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it came to pass, when God helped the Levites that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. This is so, so amazing, but we'll just we'll leave it here and we'll close with Asaph, just a tiny little mention, and we'll get into it tomorrow, Lord willing. But notice, when it's time to carry the presents, it wasn't the Levites that carried it. It was God who helped them carry it, right? <laughs> it yeah. came to pass when God helped the Levites that bore the Ark of the Covenant. It was God who helped. God is going to help us with this presence. This presence is too weighty for anybody. But it begins by approaching God through the cross which is that sacrifice, you know, that seven bullocks and that seven rams, they represent the church in Israel. What was actually happening here is the presence being brought up to a new tent. It's going to be made up of Jew and Gentile. This is what's being played out as we go forward. And this is what's happening now. Again, his presence is coming. His church is being, is is headed to, to having that presence in its midst. David pitched a new tent, just like the Lord Jesus Christ created a new church, a new dwelling place for the presence of God was created. Moses' tabernacle remained, and we'll talk about those things. It remained at Gibeah. Take a look at this in, uh, I think it's Second Chronicles. Go over to Second Chronicles, brother, would you? Yes. I think it's Second Chronicles. Let's take a look here. Yeah, Second Chronicles chapter 1. Listen, listen to this. Are you there? Yes. This is this is when David, uh, when when it transitions from David to Solomon. Would you read verse one through four? And remember, we're talking about the two different tabernacles now. 
And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom. And the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from... Here, Jeff, Jerem. Yes, to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. There we have verification that two temples or two tabernacles were existing just prior to the dedication of this temple that was built by Solomon. But when David went to get the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, it was in Kirjath-Jerim, and we know it was at, at Abinadab's house. We've been talking about it where Uzzah and Ahio were and all the others of the nobility. But there was a tabernacle that was at Gibeon, and it was there that that original tabernacle that was in the wilderness that Moses constructed all those 1,500 years before or so, uh, it was there in the high place of Gibeon. That's what we started out this study you were reading, remember, in verse 37, yes. that, that there was a high, or verse 40, there was a, a, a high place of Gibeon where, where David then separates the priesthood once he brings the ark into the city of Jerusalem with great joy. They offered seven bullocks, going back to First Chronicles 15, 26, they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. It really represents the church of Israel and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ coming together. And and we'll we'll examine that more tomorrow. But when they finally bring the ark to Jerusalem, and we talked about Michael resisting David and being, David and being jealous, and what you described, Brother Fernando, so beautifully there about why she was that way and what David was actually doing. <clears throat> he then places the ark in its in its proper place in the tabernacle or in the tent which David had pitched for it. And he turns things over to to Asaph. Can you read verse 7, Brother brother Jeremy? Chapter 16, verse 7. Of First Chronicles, right? Yes. I, he says, Then on that day David delivered first this psalm, to thank the Lord unto the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So David turns over a psalm, and we'll talk about a little bit about it tomorrow, but when you read from verse 8 all the way through uh, 36, you're actually reading what David wrote. Something that he saw, something that was given to him in that 90 days that he was seeking the Lord. It was already prepared. And when he brought the presence into the tent that he pitched, and we'll talk about that tent and why David, why it was necessary that David create his own tent. Why didn't he just take the ark to Moses' tent that was at Gibeon? He made his own tent, and he brought the presence of God to it. And then he leaves in charge Asaph and his brothers. And there's a reason why. And what it means is extraordinary and has implications for you and me that are listening. 
David goes away. Read verse 37, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. So he left there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the Ark continually as every day's work required. <laughs> And then in verse 39 through 40, he separates the priesthood and he sends the high priest somewhere. Read verse 39 and 40, would you, Brother Jeremy? And Zadok the priest, and Zadok the priest, and his brethren the priest, before the tabernacle of the Lord, in the high place that was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of the burnt offering continually, morning and evening, and to do according to all that is written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. So here we see David do something incredibly extraordinary. He leaves Asaph and his brothers in charge of the presence of God. But he separates Zadok of the household of Aaron, the high priest. And he sends him to the tabernacle of Moses that was still in place in the high place of Gibeon. And there is where the brazen altar was. They were separated. The brazen altar, the brazen labor, and everything else was in that tabernacle except for the presence of God. But there's a separation that takes place now. And and there's a reason why, and we're going to get into that tomorrow, because this is the mystery of the two tabernacles and why David felt it necessary and the type that it portrays and why it has implications to our day. What is actually happening right now is the same thing as being repeated, and we'll see that in the coming days. But who he left is an incredible uh, insight into what was actually happening when it says that David left in verse 37. David leaves. Remember, Jesus has left. A little hint. He's fulfilling the type of Christ who would go away after, after leaving the presence and the caretaking of who? of Asaph and his brothers to do what? To minister before the Lord continually. It's a separate priesthood that is ministering now in the presence and becoming caretakers of the presence while he sends another segment of the priesthood away to that old place, the high place of Gibeon. Who is this Asaph? Let's close with this because we can see it. I think we can, well, I know we can see it. You'll find it in in First Chronicles chapter six. Can you turn over there and we'll close with this? First Chronicles chapter six, because this is going to be our focus tomorrow, along with David. But but we're going to zone in on why David left Asaph there and what it means for us. Can you read thirty nine through forty three? Thirty nine through forty three. Yes. And his brother Asaph, who stood on his right hand, even Asaph the son of Berechiah, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Michael, the son of Bysiah, the son of Malchiah, the son of Etni, the son of Zerah, the son of Adiah, the son of Ethan, the son of Zima, the son of Shimei, the son of Jahat, the son of Gershom, the son of Levi. That's good, brother. You, you, hit one. you did better than I could have with all their names. That's really good. So check this out. What do we have? Remember, David leaves Asaph in control of the presence of God, and then his lineage is given here in First Chronicles chapter 6. Look who he's connected to and who he's called the son of in verse 43. Can you read verse 43 again? 
the son of Jahat, the son of Gershom, the son of Levi. Incredible. Gershom. Who's this Gershom? It's not Gershon. It's Gershom, the son of Levi. His great-great-great-great-grandfather was Levi. This Gershom is somebody particular, and it and, and it's who the Lord identifies Asaph with and why David selected him. Let's take a look at this, and we'll close with this in Exodus chapter 18. We'll see who this Gershom is. Asaph's father. Yes. Exodus chapter 18. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Verse 1 through 3, I think it is. Let me see here. <laughs> Exodus yeah, 18. Verse 3. Yeah, yeah 1 through verse 3. Would you? Mm-hmm. Yes. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zephorah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. My goodness. You want to hear what David did? You want to hear what David did? It's incredible what David did. How profound what David did was. He selected Asaph, who was half Jew, half Gentile, and his brethren to be the caretakers of the presence of God. And then he went away. He relegates the the line of Aaron, Zadok the priest, to take care of things in the tabernacle of Moses. Listen, Zipporah was a Gentile bride of Moses. But who David left in charge was Asaph, who's in the lineage of one of her sons. Gershom, verse 3, right? Mm-hmm. I have been an alien in a strange land. What David was doing was really concealing. Only the Spirit of God could do that. That that a king would come to Jerusalem. He would bring the presence of God there. But as it's written in Chronicles, it says that David leaves the presence and he goes away. And he leaves it under the control of of a half-Jew, half-Gentile stranger to take care of the presence of God. This was a prophecy of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is he, the Lord himself, who brought the presence of God to Jerusalem. And he went away. And when he went away, he left that presence in in, in the company of a church, an Asaph church, which is made up of Jew and Gentile. The presence belongs to the church. And as we get into this, we're going to see the prophetic implications that have come to rest in our day. Because God is going to have an Asaph church again. Just like we talked about before the broadcast, brothers. He's going to raise up the tabernacle of David again. Like it was in the days of old. 
and the ASAFs of these worlds are going to be the ones that have the tremendous prophetic insight like Asaph did in Psalm 74, which we've been talking about, that has a revelation of the coming of the Lord. It is why God had David entrust Asaph with that song as soon as the presence came. And when you go out and study it, those of you that are listening, when you study what was written there, you'll see that it's a prediction all the way from the beginning to the end of the second coming of the Lord. Asaph is the son of a Gentile woman and a Jewish father, Moses. He becomes a priesthood and a caretaker, him and his brothers, of the very presence of God. You know how many of them there were on that day that the glory fell? Let's take a look. Let's close with this. It'll sound familiar to you. It's in Second Chronicles. Uh, chapter 5, I think, Brother Jeremy. Let's take a look here. This is just, I'm just throwing this out here as a little nugget. Because I want to tell you something. Asaph lived to see the establishment of the, of the tent of David. But he also lived all the way into the time of Solomon the king. And he witnessed the actual construction of the real temple of God. And the presence of God with men. He's a type of the early and the latter church. There is an Asaph that is going to witness the completion of God's house. Read this in verse 12, would you, Brother Jeremy? Chapter 5. As they dedicate the, the temple that Solomon built. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Hemath, of Jethan, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. <laughs> Why are you laughing, brother? <laughs> Powerful, one hundred and twenty. Hmm. Yeah, where do you know that number from? Turn over to Acts chapter one. Yes, yeah. the latter. Okay, yeah. Acts chapter one, verse fifteen, and we'll close with this. I keep saying that, but this is this is just, we're just getting started now because this is something. But we'll getting, we'll close it with this Acts chapter one. But brother Marty, you sound like the preacher. I'm getting ready to close. I'm getting ready to close. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm fixing to close. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, here we go. We'll start with verse fourteen and fifteen. Okay. They these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Incredible, right? And what were they waiting for, brothers? They were waiting for the outpouring of the presence of God, right? Yes the coming of the Holy Spirit, and they would become, out of them would come the Jews and the Gentiles, and they would become one church. Asaph was a type and a foreshadow of that church that was to come that would be entrusted with the presence. And we see a fulfillment of that in the book of Acts here. The same number, 120. Incredible what King David learned in 90 days, wasn't it? (laughs) We'll dig into this tomorrow. Some of you are going... Oh, my goodness. 
I hope I hope you go back and listen to what was said because it's incredible what what's happening here, and and it's come to our time. We have a promise of the outpouring of the presence again, which is already happening. Really, if you're if you're with him and you're seeking him, his presence is being poured out even as we speak. Some of us are in different places. Some of us are preparing a place like David. Some of us are coming to understand that it's not the way it used to be with the nobles and all that. You know, they've, they've been scrutinized and are being scrutinized at the threshing floor. But David goes away and begins to seek God and search for God. And he understands what's coming. He understands that the presence is coming to his city. Just as there's a church that's understanding that the presence of the Lord is coming near. Once again, at the end of time, he leaves in charge Asaph, the son of a Gentile and a Jew, representing the church. And it's to him that the prophetic psalms were entrusted because he's a foreshadow of an end-time church. 120 of his brethren as well uh, gathered together as a foreshadow of the 120 that would receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the days of Acts in the early church. It'll happen again. He's raising up another one, the tabernacle of David like as of old. What was that? Asaph was left and his brothers in charge of that tabernacle. They carry the presence. They carry the prophetic word. They carry the prophetic insight. They know the times. They know the seasons. And they know the Lord is soon to come. Can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> my, my. <laughs> This has been a what a way to start. Always our Mondays are are always uh, interesting as we begin to lay down the foundation, the groundwork, and I believe this is going to lift us up throughout throughout this week uh, to a greater understanding of the presence of God, of what God is saying and what God is doing. We really pray that you've been blessed today, and uh, we pray that you join us tomorrow. As we continue to study the word of God, as always, we pray the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up. <laughs>